I want to come and share with you this morning how meditation has helped me in my work, in my life, since I started practicing it more than 30 years ago. I feel that the practice of meditation is like an upgrade of your personal software because it will transform you. It will help you to live your life more meaningfully, more joyfully. I teach meditation in the business schools because I feel that the one dimension of management which is badly neglected in our business schools and executive coaching is self-management. How do we manage ourselves? How do we manage our lives? And the key to a sustainable career in management and the key to good leadership is self-management. And meditation is important because it is something that if you can practice with discipline will help you to come to self-awareness, self-knowledge. It will affect your life and it will be manifest in your work. So I have one hour with you this morning. I want to use it optimally. And so the first thing I'd like to do is to share with you very briefly what is meditation. And then I'd like to instruct you on how to meditate. And then we'll take a time of meditation together for 10 minutes so that you have an experience, you know what is involved. And after that, I could explore with you very briefly how this simple practice of meditation can be so transformative. So what is meditation? I think a good way of understanding meditation is that it is a work. You're doing a work during a time of meditation. You're not going in for a bit of relaxation. And the work that you are doing in meditation is the work of paying attention. The work of attention. Learning to concentrate. Learning to focus on one thing. And in order to do that, in order to bring our whole person to attention, requires a stillness of the body and a stillness of the mind. So essentially, there are two things involved. How do we bring the body to stillness? How do we bring the mind to stillness? As far as stillness of body is concerned, the formula is very simple. Sit still. Learn to sit still. Now, that sounds relatively easy, but you need some pointers on how to sit well during the meditation. And essentially, it is about learning to sit in a way where you are both relaxed and alert at the same time. Now, I've given you an instruction card, you know, which you can take back with you for revision. But now I will take you through you know, the various steps of 
learning to sit still and learning to bring the mind to stillness. So there are six points involved, you might say, in learning to sit still. The first is to sit with your back straight, with your spine upright. So if you're sitting on this chair, it's a fairly good chair for meditation, except that the back rest is a bit far back. So what you want to do is not to rest on the back rest of the chair, but to come forward a little bit, and then rest the frame of your body on the front edge of your buttock bone. We all have a buttock bone. There's a front edge and there's a back edge. Learn to sit on the front edge of your buttock bone because that automatically straightens up your spine. Whereas if you are sitting on the back edge of your buttock bone, your back goes back. So that's the number one. Sit with your back straight. You don't have to sit on the floor in a cross-legged position, in the lotus position. I think for the majority of us, we have passed the age where we can sit cross-legged in a lotus position. But if you can do that, that's an excellent posture for meditation. But it is not essential. So the principle is to sit with your back straight, with your spine upright. Secondly, rest your feet on the floor so that you are nicely anchored and you don't have to move. Number three, your hands. What do you do with your hands? Well, put your hands on your lap, on your knees, or if you like, you can put one palm on top of the other at the level of the navel. Number four, relax all the muscles of your body, especially your face. Many of us who work during the day when it comes to meditating evening or even early in the morning, we carry a lot of tension in our face. So you have to learn to relax your facial muscles. And a good way of relaxing your facial muscles is to have a slight, unforced smile because that relaxes you. Number five, you want to close your eyes very lightly because we do not want to be distracted from the work of meditation. So it's good to close your eyes very lightly. And then the sixth point is take a few seconds, a few moments to be aware of your breathing. So when you're seated nicely, take a few seconds to be conscious that you're breathing in and you're breathing out. This awareness of the breathing of the breath has the benefit of slowing down your thinking mind. So it contributes greatly to coming to the stillness of mind. So those are the six checkpoints, you might say, you know, checklist to, to sit properly for meditation. Then what about stillness of mind? Now that is much more challenging because for all of us, our mind is like a tree full of monkeys. So many thoughts going through our mind at any moment in time. You find that you have wandering mind, you cannot concentrate, you are moving from one thought to another. It's like a riot of chatter in the mind. But meditation does require us to come to stillness of mind, to concentration, to one-pointedness, single-mindedness. In order to do that, in order to discipline the mind, to focus on one thing, we recommend a method. And the method is to take one word 
you might call it a mantra, to take one word and simply to sound this word quietly within you over and over again. And whenever any other thoughts intrude into your mind, demanding your attention, you let those thoughts go. And then you return to sounding this word over and over again. It is called the way of the mantra, the way of the one word. So what word should we use for meditation? Well, I practice meditation as a form of Christian prayer. I'm a Christian, and so for me, meditation is a form of prayer. So I take a word for me personally that is meaningful to me in my Christian faith. I take the word Maranatha. Maranatha. M-A-R-A-N-A-T-H-A. Maranatha. The word is in the Aramaic language. It was the language that Jesus Christ spoke. And it means, come Lord. If you are a Buddhist, you can choose a Buddhist mantra. If you have a Hindu, a Hindu mantra, a Muslim, a Muslim mantra. Choose something that is meaningful to you in your faith. If you do not have a religion, you can still choose a mantra. And I think the best mantra for anyone who does not want to meditate within a religious faith, I recommend the mantra, thank you. Very meaningful word to say thank you. So in other words, the purpose of the mantra, it doesn't really have any religious connotation. But the purpose of the mantra is to bring you to stillness of mind, to help you to concentrate. And during the meditation, you are not thinking of the meaning of the word, but you are allowing the faithful sounding of the word to take you deeper within yourselves, beyond your thoughts, beyond your ideas. To go deeper within yourselves where you will find a greater measure of stillness, of peace, you might say. So in other words, the way to the stillness of mind is to sound the mantra quietly within you without moving your lips when we are together like this, you know, we do not want to disturb others by sort of vocalizing it. But when you're on your own, since you're beginning, you, know, you need to be familiar with the mantra. So when you're on your own, you could start off during the first minute to vocalize the mantra so that you get used to it. So the way to do it is to just have, let's say, four or five recitations of the mantra audibly, Maranatha, 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 Maranatha. Fading it into the silence. That is to practice sounding the mantra. But meditation is about sounding the mantra in silence, quietly within you. And as you sound the word, you listen to it. You listen to it. You listen to the word, to the sound of the word as it is 
echoing away because the act of sounding the word and listening to it helps you to pay attention, to pay attention to the sounding of the word. So that's all there is to meditation. Sit still, say your mantra. So I suggest that we now practice that for 10 minutes so that whatever I have to say later on will make more sense to you in the light of your experience of meditating. Well, thank you for meditating. The good thing about the practice of meditation is that it is the way of experience. You don't have to take anyone's word for it. You find out from your own experience, from your own practice of it, how it affects you. But it is a demanding discipline. It is demanding, first of all, because people say, I like to meditate, but I have no time. So you need to find out from your own experience that the time that you dedicate to meditation in the morning and in the evening is not a loss of time. It is a gain of time. You are gaining time by meditating. Because the quality of your life, the quality of your work, is going to be greatly enhanced by the time that you set aside for meditation. It is like physical exercise. If you can sustain it over a period of time, the benefits accumulate. So let me propose to you five ways, you might say, in which meditation can transform your life. I said at the very beginning that meditation is doing the work of attention. Now, attention is perhaps the most important quality for any human being to develop. Because first of all, attention is necessary for study. Imagine if all the children in Singapore were to learn to meditate. What a tremendous change it will make to the power of attention in the classroom, especially in a world full of distractions. And there was a reason why, when I was talking about meditation with Mr. Lee Kuan Yew, he came up with this idea that it would be good to introduce it to the schools. Secondly, attention is important for work. Whatever you are doing, if you learn to pay attention to the work at hand, the task is likely to be completed more efficiently and you probably do not have to go and revisit the work to redo it because of the attention that you pay to your work. Thirdly, attention is most vital for relationships. Learning to pay attention to someone is vital, whether it's a relationship with your spouse, with your children, with your colleagues at work, with your friends, with your clients. Because when we can learn to pay attention to someone without being distracted, we are showing respect.
We are honouring the person that we are with. So we are not sort of a, what the person is talking, composing, another question in your head to ask them. You give your attention to that person. At the highest level, you can say that is love. To love another person is to give them your undivided attention. So it's, it's vital for relationships. And the fourth way that meditation can help you, I talk about self-management, is that it helps you to harmonize yourself. So when we go to work, you know, every day, there are bound to be problems in the office, challenges, where we get unsettled, we get angry, we get agitated, we get troubled. In other words, quite often during the day, we are thrown off center. We become unbalanced. Our emotions take over. But when you learn to sit still and to bring your mind to stillness, then your whole person comes into a harmony. A harmony of body, mind and spirit. In other words, the practice of meditation is a way of rebalancing, recentering you. And this is particularly important if you can meditate in the evening. Because after a day's work, you need to recenter yourselves before you go back to your family. Otherwise, if you carry all the problems of work back home, you cannot spend quality time with your loved ones. So it's good at the end of the day to sit down, to still yourself, to calm yourself down, to recenter yourself. In other words, every human being has a center of peace, of harmony, and is to be found inside of us. We must learn to go there, to come back to harmony, to restore ourselves. And that is how over time, meditation helps you to de-stress, helps you to be more relaxed. So that's the fourth uh, dimension. Because sometimes you say, how does sitting still and saying this word, how does that transform me? It seems quite far-fetched, isn't it? To say that something so simple as this can be so transformative. Well, I have found that out over the last 30 years that I've been meditating, that it does help me in those uh, few dimensions. The fifth point is the most important. I said that meditation is about learning to pay attention, to cultivate the quality of attention, to develop the muscle of attention. But the attention that we are learning in meditation is a very special kind of attention. I would call it selfless attention. There's a huge difference between paying attention to yourself and selfless attention. Meditation practice in a spiritual sense is not focusing on yourself but focusing the attention on the other. The other, you might say, during the time of meditation, on God. 
So selfless attention is very critical because if you practice meditation with what I call a narcissistic motivation, I want to meditate because I want to have clarity of mind, I want to be more relaxed so that I can get a promotion, I can make more money. Well, that is self-centered, narcissistic motivation. But in order to go deeper, to really come to experience the meaning of what it is to be human, we have to learn to take the attention off ourselves. So in meditation, when you sit down and you say the mantra, what, what are you doing? You are letting go of your thoughts, of your ideas, of your plans, of your desires, of your problems. They will all be challenging you during the time of meditation. And you just have to say, not now. I am meditating. So you go back to saying the mantra. It is what we call leaving the self behind. Leaving your self-preoccupation behind. Taking the attention off yourselves and cultivating selfless attention. So if you practice meditation in this way, then you are going to what I would call the spiritual dimension of meditation. I didn't say religious, I said spiritual. Spiritual in the sense that it takes you to a deeper part within yourselves, where you even begin to ask the question, who am I? Who am I? That is a deeply spiritual question. It will lead you to self-knowledge. But essentially, it will lead you to an experience that you are important, you are unique, but that you, at the deepest level of your being, can be in harmony with others, indeed can be in harmony with the whole of creation. That is a deeply spiritual experience. And that has got very important implications for leadership. If you can sustain this practice long enough and come to this experience, you begin to see leadership not as an exercise of power, which is about yourself. I will use this power to get what I want. But you will come to an other-centered experience where you see leadership as an acceptance of responsibility. I'm a leader. I have a responsibility to the people that I work with, to my colleagues, to my clients. So it's no longer me, I, but we. Meditation is a good way, not the only way, to cultivate this quality of other-centeredness. In other words, the longer you meditate, the more you come to this experience where you say, I'm a leader. I am important. Now, all of you here, you are leaders in your company. You wouldn't be here unless you are important to the company. Important in the sense that whatever you do has got an impact, you might say, on the bottom line. You are important, but the danger is that you become self-important. So this is the way of saying to you that 
meditation over time helps you to, to develop a healthy ego. We need an ego. If we don't have an ego, you wouldn't be here. Because the ego is what gives us a drive to do things, not only to desire something, but to get it done. And that is a gift to have the ego. But the ego can get inflamed, and after a while you become a dictator. Uh, we can see that in the United States. It's an ego which has gone wild. On the other hand, the ego can become healthy. So meditation is a way of developing a healthy ego. And that is, I think, very important for leadership.